Welcome to the Captivatingly Confident Podcast. My name is Kim Ludeman, and I am passionate about helping women just like you embrace your true self so you can show up confidently in your life. Join me as we talk about overcoming limiting beliefs, reshaping what health and wellness really look like, and take steps to becoming captivatingly confident. With all that said, let's go to the show. All right. Welcome back, everybody, to the Captivatingly Confident Podcast. I am so excited that you're here. This is episode 31, and today we're going to talk about how to be you bravely during the holidays and anytime, really. But specifically, we're going to focus on the holidays because it's December 6th, which means we have 19 days until Christmas. So that's pretty darn exciting. My son is super pumped. He can't wait. And it's kind of magical having a four-year-old at Christmas time because it's like you get to relive your enjoyment of the holidays as a kid. I don't know. I find it, I find it very fun. And I give in to many of his little whims, which include looking at Christmas decorations everywhere. He told me he didn't want to go to Trader Joe's because they weren't going to have any Christmas decorations. And somehow I managed to wrangle him into the car and take him anyways. And lo and behold, they did. They had some snowmen, they had snowflakes and balloons. So thank you, Trader Joe's, from the bottom of this mother's heart, so I could get my grocery shopping done. Okay, back to our topic at hand. So we go to great lengths. To keep our uncomfortable feelings managed. Would you agree? I think we could all agree that we do that. It looks different for everybody. Some people eat, some people drink, others shop, some people watch TV, some people scroll social media. We all have ways of avoiding and distracting ourselves from uncomfortable emotions. Why? Because they're uncomfortable and there's nobody out there who's like, yes, I'd like to sit here and feel my feelings. No, nobody does that. Nobody does that. It's uncomfortable and it's painful. But the bummer about that is that if we keep avoiding and distracting ourselves from these uncomfortable feelings, it can cause significant issues. And these issues can look like stomach trouble. That's right. If you have gas or bloating or trouble digesting or even some food allergies, there is a chance that anxiety and stress could be at play, which is contributed by these emotions. We also can suffer greater levels, heightened emotions as a result of all of this goodness just kind of simmering underneath right? This can look like increased anxiety, depression, sadness. It's, these are contributing factors to that. It can look like feeling irritable all the time. Are you ever angry all the time and you don't know why? Are you worried that maybe you might be a little bit bipolar (laughs) because you go from hot to cold, lickety split? Like that. I hear that more often than not in my coaching groups and in my community that there's almost a a fear 
of having a mental illness because you just are so moody and irritable. But friends, so much of that comes from these emotions. And I want to talk about these emotions today. There are five that I've pinpointed over the years. And I want to give you some thoughts about those. And I also want to give you some ideas to give space to those feelings. I've recently started following Mastin Kip. And if you're in the entrepreneurial circle, you know who he is most likely. He is a functional life coach. And he has a book called Claim Your Power. And I've been reading this book and I love it. Because one of the things that he says so well is that if you don't feel the uncomfortable feelings, you cannot move forward. And he's dead on. And I have found this to be true in my practice as well. That without experiencing the pain, and he calls it the trauma, but I call it the pain and the uncomfortability. Without sitting in that tension, you cannot move forward. You will stay stuck. And this is, it's tricky and it's hard. And I hope that by the end of this podcast that you feel a little bit lighter and that you feel like you have a couple of tools in your pocket and a better understanding of how to start giving space to these emotions, especially in the holidays, because during the holidays, everything is heightened, right? All of our senses, there's all sorts of smells like pine trees and peppermint, and there's music that we've been listening to for our whole lives, (laughs) and there's decorations, and there's Santa, and everything. There's the bell people with the, the red buckets. What is that? Is that Salvation Army? I think so. All of it is nostalgic. All of it heightens our senses. And so these emotions can surface so much easier than in, quote, normal time. So what are they? Again, there are five that I have pinpointed. There are more. There are lots more. But these are the ones that I see come up more often than not. And the first one is grief. So grief is defined as the loss of a person, place, animal, or idea. And I would throw in their object. I mean, you can expand grief to be a huge definition. But grief, that sadness, that ache, that emptiness that comes when you've lost something, it can come out of nowhere and it can be triggered by anything. It don't matter. Grief is grief is blind. It doesn't care where you're at. It doesn't care what you're doing. It doesn't care how great your eye makeup looks. It is bent to destroy and it will make you cry and it will make your mascara run. And that's just how grief works. And even if you haven't experienced grief, which a lot of us have and don't really recognize, because I think we always think of grief as like the loss of a loved one. And it's not. It can be the loss of a relationship, the loss of a job, the loss of a familiar situation or surrounding. There's, there's many forms of grief. But if you've lost something, you are grieving. And even if you think, well, that's still not me, you know someone that is. And the holidays are so hard for grievers. And I know this because I am one. I lost my mom when I was 19 to cancer and subsequently lost my dad to his mental struggles. We won't get into that because it's not important now. But what I'm saying is I've lost a lot 
And during the holidays, I can be a basket case. And instead of fighting that, I embrace it. If I am driving down the street and a song comes on and I'm triggered, I let the tears flow. I do. Why do I do that? Because by fighting, avoiding, or dismissing, or minimizing those feelings, I'm shortchanging myself and my healing process and being true to who I am. And when you minimize, shortcut, reduce, avoid, dismiss your feelings of grief, you do the same to yourself. You do the same. Letting grief take up space in your life will help make you a healthier person. It's counterintuitive, but it will. The next feeling is loneliness. And this one is pivotal because belonging, the opposite of loneliness, belonging is critical to the human experience. I'm reading a book by Brené Brown right now that's called The Gift of Imperfection. So good. Pretty much anything by Brené Brown is like pure gold. And if you don't know who Brené Brown is, get yourself over to YouTube, watch her TED Talk. Brené Brown, B-R-E-N-E Brown. She's fabulous. You're going to love her. She talks about vulnerability and shame. (laughs) You're like, wait a second, Kim. This doesn't sound like a light, fun TED Talk. No, it's, it's intense, but it's so good. But she talks about belonging and how that's critical. And if there's a lack of meaningful connection, this feeling of loneliness can be experienced. And the craziness about loneliness is that it can be experienced anywhere at any time. Even if you are sitting around the dinner table with your family or your friends, you can still feel disconnected and lonely. You could be surrounded by your favorite people in the world and still feel lonely. And that's okay. It's not right or wrong or good or bad. It is. But avoiding it, and one way that we avoid it is by connecting through social media. And there have been so many studies that have shown that this is a, it is an inauthentic form of connectedness. People that are more connected on Facebook are more lonely than the average person who doesn't go on Facebook. There's that false sense of connection and belonging, but it leaves us feeling empty because it's not legit. It's not calling your friend on the phone. It's not FaceTiming with them. It's not giving, you know, a hug in person. We're missing that connection. And without that, loneliness results. And loneliness can also tap into your desire to isolate and to pull back. And this is something that Mel Robbins was talking about over Thanksgiving. If you don't know who Mel Robbins is, I just found out who she was a few weeks ago. And she's great. She's great. She has um, The Five Second Rule is her book about launching yourself forward into action. It's fabulous. But she was talking about how isolation during the holidays is so scary. And it's not a good solution. And that's when we start dealing with some suicidal issues and tendencies is when we isolate and we pull back. So we're going to talk about how to get to anchor that feeling into action so that we're not pulling back and retreating. So we'll get there. Number three is anxiety. And this one looks different for everybody. But there are some similar traits. Anxiety is that shortness of breath. 
the tightening of muscles, the thump, thump, thump of your heart, the spinning of your head, the inability to catch your breath, that is anxiety. And anxiety is caused by 50 bajillion different things. But giving space to it, letting it be present, even saying, I feel anxious. By naming it, you take away some of its power. And you put the power back in your own hands by naming it and giving it space. Number four is longing. Longing is a big one. It's similar to grief, but nothing has been lost. So maybe you're that person who before was like, I'm not grieving but I'm still kind of have this feeling and it's a feeling of longing. And that longing can be for experiencing delayed gratification. It can be just dreaming of something that hasn't yet come to fruition. It can be setting up expectations that just aren't met. It's hoping, it's longing, and it leads into the next feeling, number five, which is disappointment. Oh, nothing is worse than disappointment. We don't want to disappoint anybody and we don't want to be disappointed. We'll do anything to keep that at bay. And that is when we have unmet needs and expectations that lead to disappointment, especially if we're not voicing those and we have those expectations on the inside and they don't get met. (laughs) We get mad, right? This happens in relationships all the time marriage roles, gender roles, societal roles, where we have these expectations. And without putting voice to those, you set yourself up for disappointment. So being an advocate for your own needs is what can give you the ability to manage your expectations appropriately, which is a beautiful segue into how do we do that? How do we create space for these feelings? And notice, I didn't say get rid of, manage, minimize, completely ignore. I didn't say any of that because I don't believe that that's realistic. I think it is unrealistic to say that we need to get rid of stress. Because as Mastin Kip says, stress is just another name for fear. And fear is always present, especially if you are taking risks, if you're an entrepreneur, if you're looking to get in a relationship, if you're in a relationship, if you're living... There's fear involved. There's fear factors. And it's not realistic to try to get rid of it. So I say, instead of trying to get rid of it or minimize it or manage it, work with it. Just give yourself a break. Work with your feelings instead of trying to put them into a tiny box or keep the lid on all these feelings. I'm not saying you have to walk around being a basket case. And that's why we have these four ideas about how to get space to those feelings. So the first one is to journal. And this could also read process, but there is something extremely cathartic about writing things down. Even if you're like, oh, I hate journaling, which P.S. I totally hear you. Even if you hate it, there's something so good about getting feelings up and out of your body. It's incredibly cathartic, incredibly therapeutic, I cannot recommend it enough. And it doesn't have to be this beautiful journal that's hardbacked, leather-bound. It can be the back of receipts. It can be post-it notes. It can be on a whiteboard. It can be whatever you need it to be. I always recommend carrying around a small little notebook in your bag 
And when you start to have these feelings, reach and grab out your notebook and just start writing. Even if you have to pull over on the side of the road, do that safely, but pull out that notebook and start writing. It is incredible how when we just even give space to feelings, they lose some power. They do. And as you practice getting them outside your body, you find that it's quicker and quicker and quicker. The next one is to breathe. And I know this one sounds cliche, but hear me out. I'm not talking about taking like a deep breath randomly or just like being more mindful of your breathing because that's not helpful. But what is helpful is having a structure for breathing. There are a few different techniques, but the one I like the most is called box breathing, B-O-X. And you're going to make a four by four box. You're going to inhale for four, hold for four, exhale for four, and hold for four. You're going to rinse and repeat three times. And what that does is it acts like an auxiliary hug to your central nervous system. And it lowers blood pressure, reduces heart rate, calms everything down, minimizes the effects of anxiety, especially if you struggle with anxiety attacks. This is huge. Box breathing. You can even throw a little yogi trick in there. I don't remember the name for it. It's like Ushparanana or something. It's It's something like that. It's not that. But what you're going to do is plug one nostril as you inhale, switch to the other side as you exhale, and switch back and forth. I don't know about all the benefits of it, but I've seen enough yogis do it and I've tried it. It totally works. You can also throw in essential oils with this because I don't know about you, but I love essential oils. It, they work. I, I, plain and simple. At least they've worked for me and my family. I can't speak for anybody else, but I've experienced them and they work, especially when you're dealing with grief and anxiety. Those are the two that I use them for the most and it helps tremendously. Console is my go-to for grief. For anxiety, I like wild orange and balance. These are both doTERRA blends, but you can find different blends from different people. So if you have questions about oil, holler at me and I can hook you up with some wild orange if you want to do a little sample. All right, next up, number three, speak. Even if you're not a verbal processor, if you internally process everything, you got to get it out. (laughs) Got to give it voice and give it space. So while I'm all about journaling, I'm also about speaking. Verbally process with someone who is safe, someone that can sit with you and share the moment where you're just kind of verbally vomiting. And you can even advocate for yourself and just say, you know what, I don't need you to fix it. I don't need you to offer some advice or suggestions. Will you just sit and listen? And it's actually really great because it lets the other person off the hook. Because have you ever had those conversations where it's a little bit intense and you're like in your own head thinking about what you're going to say and how you're going to respond? Like, it's terrifying. You're like, I don't want to ask the wrong question. I want to say the wrong thing. This is great because you've let that person off the hook. It's beautiful. So speaking your truth, speaking your feelings with someone who's safe. And the last one is to advocate for yourself. And this takes practice, just like courage takes practice. In The Gifts of Imperfection, Renee was quoting somebody else. I don't remember who. It starts with an M. I'll have to look and put it in the notes. But she was saying that like courage takes practice. You have to do some couraging to be courageous. To have courage, you have to 
practice. And the same is true for advocating. You've got to do some advocating to be an advocate. You get to practice it and you're not going to do it perfectly all the time. Sometimes you're going to botch it and that's fine. The important thing is that you are asking for what you want and what you need and setting boundaries where appropriate. And this is especially true in the holidays because we've got all sorts of family and friends and demands from people, from our bosses, from our work, from our children, and having appropriate boundaries that keep you safe and that give you the ability to give space to these feelings is critical. Boundaries, we could talk about forever. If you need a read, my favorite book that's been around forever is Boundaries by Cloud and Townsend. It is fabulous. Great book. Can't recommend it enough. So advocating for yourself, confidently asking for what you need, and be prepared to leave if you don't get it. And I know that sounds crazy, and you're like, what? But be prepared to stand up for what you need. And if you don't get it and you can't reach a compromise, take care of yourself. Remove yourself from triggering situations. It's not worth it. It's not. You are worth it. Your mental health is worth it. Having expectations that are appropriate is worth it. And you do that by advocating for yourself. So let's review really quick. Four The uncomfortable emotions, we have grief, loneliness, anxiety, longing, and disappointment. And ways to give space to those feelings, journaling, breathing, speaking, and advocating or asking. And that's how we work with our feelings rather than against them. And once you start practicing awareness of your feelings, you can accept them. And by accepting, you can actually learn to appreciate those feelings because they've taught you something in your life. And once you appreciate, then you can move into valuing and investing in processing through those feelings. Because if you aren't aware of what you want to change, how can you change it? You can't. So there's a process to this. There are steps to getting into the flow, as I like to call it. So if you feel like this just nailed it for you and this is totally resonating, I would love to hear. I would love some feedback on this. If you want to, you can head over to the Captivatingly Confident Facebook group, kimludeman.com. I'll get you there. You can send me an email, kim at captivatinglyconfident.com. You can also PM me through Facebook or DM me through Instagram at kim.ludeman. I want to hear, I want to be here and support you. This is important work and I just commend you for even being willing to listen and to start to take action on giving space to these feelings. You are amazing and I cannot wait to see you next time.